This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Today on our show, Unfathomable Pinheadery is Afoot. So, everyone grab a copy of Organ Fish of Clues 9 and strap in because we're talking about Fargo Season 3, Episode 2, The Principle of Restricted Choice. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV super fan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Ooh, yeah. It's your party jam. Oh, yeah. I love some good. Gypsy Pumps. Some good gypsies and gold overdello to close out the episode that we watched to begin our episode here today. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the ABTV Fargo After Show. I am Lex Michael. I'm all over social media at the Lex Michael, and I am here with. I'm Dave Child. You can find me at MR Dave Child on Twitter and Instagram or uh, DaveChild.com on Dave Child. Awesome. I am Tara Erickson. You guys can find me on Twitter at the Tara Erickson or YouTube.com backslash Tara Erickson. And as always, you can keep up with us in the chat if you are watching live. If yeah. not, you can use Twitter, hashtag ABTVFargo. Of course, go on to iTunes where you can like, subscribe, give us five stars. As is well documented, I All need five those five-star reviews to live. To survive. Yeah. That's what he eats on. So we're back for the second episode this season. First of all, right off the bat, second episode, chapter two of this 10-chapter third season story. How do you guys feel? Uh, I'm still liking it. I still think it's good. Uh, I it's nice to now get more in depth with the little bit of the characters. Find out uh, what I like about the show is there's still surprises with each character. Every single episode, we're still learning who these characters are. So it, it's uh, I feel like we got a lot of that this episode. Yeah, uh, I realized why Molly makes the perfect detective. Okay. Because uh, she's invisible, and when we get into it, we can talk about it later. But I'm just saying, I really enjoyed that on top Gloria, of Prince. Right? Gloria, I'm Gloria. sorry, what did I say? You said Molly. Oh. Which is. Oh, God, that's. Season, that's <laughs> Gloria, it's Gloria, okay. Gloria, my bad. It's a my really bad. good, it's a one to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gloria, yeah. yes. Which, that was. That was interesting, and I want to know, if that moment where she turns to her co-worker and says, I'm here, right? You can right. see me. Yes. I was like, oh, okay, so there's your, there's your whole character right there. That's, that's beautifully a, done. That uh-huh. seems to be, uh, I think it's going to be a running bit, because it happened in the first episode. There was a door that didn't open for her. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah. she doesn't like, her phone isn't working right, for her. Right, she's getting bad cell reception. Right. Yeah. No one and can she, hear her. She does. She's avoiding computers at all cost in the actual thing, so she doesn't work with technology, right? At all, and also I think it's just I think there's definitely the themes of not knowing, not having the rest of the world recognize who she is, which is something she's going that's going on in her professional and personal life, right? Because in professional life, she's not a chief anymore. She's being demoted, and she doesn't quite know who she is. And then in her personal life, uh, her husband left her because of he's gay and is now with another guy, so she's not being recognized anymore right. in that relationship. So she's still trying to struggle to 
be recognized and be noticed even by doors. Well, and and speaking of you know her professional life and and the current situation she finds herself in, she now finds herself working for Shea Wiggum, who yeah. appeared for the first time in this episode. Another wonderful. Just when you thought that this series could not sustain another fantastic character actor, all of a sudden oh, we've got so good. some Shea Wiggum, and he's wonderful. He's I mean he was on Boardwalk Empire. He was just mm-hmm. recently in Kong Skull Island. Yeah, he played a similar uh, administrative. Uh, authoritarian figure on Agent Carter in the first season. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me there's like, I hope that they don't repeat that dynamic with him and Gloria, the, the similar dynamic he had with Peggy on that show, but at the same time, dude's so good at playing those types of roles that I can't be mad about it. Yeah, He's good at being the surly guy. He's good at being the like, that guy. He's that guy. He's that guy. He's that guy. Every show needs one of those guys. Yeah. So, right up top, at the beginning of the episode, we see that, you know, Gloria's having a hard time sleeping, and so she gets up before dawn, and she starts looking at these science fiction novels that she found in Ennis's basement. And it seems like she pieces together pretty quickly. Like, at first, it seems like she's not even sure what she's looking for. It looks like she's definitely searching for something. Hopefully, she'll figure out what it is when she finds it. And uh, the the author, whose name I got to look at again, because the very Thaddeus distinct... Mobley? Thank you, Thaddeus Mobley. Yeah. Figures out, I think, pretty quickly that Thaddeus Mobley probably is the same guy. Right. Doesn't... Yeah, it was super quick. Yeah. Well, when you have, like, a article cut out of when... Of winning yeah, an award. Yeah, the same. Yeah, 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 totally. It's kind of like, why are you going to keep that? Yeah. Unless you're like a scary fan or you're the actual person. Right, so. that's true. And again, so we have this this issue of identity, uh, a change in identity, playing a Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline significant role in one of these plot threads. And uh, let's see, the cell phone issue, now I'm going through my notes and I'm like, what happened? I mean, I also want to, before we move away from the new chief too much, oh, also when she wakes up, yes, it has that moment where she's thinking and you're flashing to all Mm -hmm. the uh, flashing to seeing her deal with the fact that her stepfather's now dead and you see her kind of processing it and that as soon as her son works into it she has that moment where she's like, okay, okay. And then, like, gets up out of bed because she realizes, okay, I need to stop this person because of my son. Right. So it's. I think that's a way of... I think what we're going to find is a constant... Her character finding her identity in being a mother and being someone to help out her son and uh, her police work kind of going alongside of that. Because that's what I'm guessing. Because she's also, I believe, except for... In season two, we do have a father who's working the case. Right. But right now we have a mother who's working the case with a teenage son. It's much older than our usual pregnant <laughs> right. pregnant uh, uh, chief and, and cop kind of running the show. So I'm curious to see how that works into it. And also, um, Shea Wig- uh, Wiggum, is that how you yeah, say Shea it? Wiggum. Yeah, Shea Wiggum. Yeah, the chief of Moe, he's, he's actually... Um, he he feels like an outside character too. He doesn't feel like he's part of the Fargo universe. He feels no, for like sure. he is coming from Boardwalk Empire. And I think that's an interesting dynamic. Well, he comes in and he bristles at the fact that it's like you don't even have computers here. Yeah. What are you guys doing? 
But I do yeah. like, and it's an interesting, it's a perspective thing that I really appreciate because uh, while she's having these these images in her head, for example, we know, A, that Maurice is now uh, recently departed. Mm-hmm. We also know that he was at best a screw-up uh, and, and a burnout and not not uh, a demonic, powerful figure. But I love that her mental image of what this guy might be is like this howling, animalistic, almost like uh, Bob from Twin Peaks. Right. Yeah. And I appreciate that, of course, it makes sense that that would be the mental image she has of this person who killed her stepfather not knowing all of the things that we know. And I appreciate things like that. Right. Yeah. So, all right. While while all of this is going on, we've got we've got a couple of significant stories happening. There's a mug there. We've got a couple of significant stories happening elsewhere. We've got Emmett over here dealing with this VM Vargas situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is a lot more complicated than I thought it was going to be. To tell you the truth. So, uh, what we learned definitively is not is not to Google VM Varga. Don't. And apparently, yeah. there is a vmvarga.com. Uh, that they set up, and it's supposed to be very creepy, but I don't know if I want to click it. Uh, but it is there. I haven't clicked it yet, but it is available. So anyone could check out vmvarga.com or Google vmvarga. Are you doing it right now? Yep. Oh, man. No, mean, we saw what happened to Irv. I think go to the, go to this one. All right. Describe, describe. Click to download information. It's, a, it's an information thing. Okay. And then oh. it takes you to never going to give you up. Oh, so they That's great. Never gonna good. give you up. <laughs> good job. That's amazing. Good Thank job. Thank you for that. Oh man, they rickroll you. That's I great. Love That's cute. Everything about it. Okay. So, so of course, Emmett and Sire are explaining the situation, and Irv is very understandably going, oh, "Wait, what's like?" But he's like, "Wait, you, what does the VM stand for?" And they can't tell him. So it's like you borrowed a million dollars from somebody, and you you quite literally don't know what their name is. Yeah. But right. so. It becomes clear that obviously Emmett and Cy don't don't realize. I think at this point the severity of the situation that they're in. Their their solution to be so. Well, can't you just find him on Facebook and we'll go get him? It'll be fine. We'll take care of this. It'll right. it's fine. We'll make this problem go away. Of course, Irv doesn't know what Facebook no. is. Right. <laughs> Irv has no idea what Facebook is. Irv doesn't I, know what Enter is. No. Oh my God, that was yeah. such a perfect. I love how it's like, we'll set Irv on this case. Yeah. Irv will know what to do. Uh-huh. And he does not know how to Google. He's no. never Googled in his life. Ever. No, he needs some help. Yep. Yeah. And that's that moment when he's working on Google, asking what the enter button is, finds it, and downloads something immediately, which yeah. is the first rule of the internet. Yeah. And, and the fact it- that he's like, the power's out? Maybe the power's out. And she's like, the lights are on. I'm like, how did you make yeah. it this far in life, Irv? Yeah, and how creepy is it to press download and then all of a sudden see an image of yourself, a picture of you on your computer? The fact they weren't screaming blows my mind. They were just like, "Well, what is that?" Oh, it's the computer doing its thing. Yeah, right. And it's of course they don't they don't know enough to be terrified by what just happened. And of course, maybe quite possibly, if they had been a little more tech savvy, Irv might have known might have known to watch a step, and he may still. Be with us today. He may still, have, be with us. still be stepping. Yeah. So, all right. While this is going on, Irv now is 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 snooping a little mm-hmm. bit. But while this is going on, Emmett and Sai are also trying to deal with Ray. Ray and yeah. I thought it was interesting. We hold off on on Ray entering this episode till about the half hour mark. There's a lot of moving pieces to deal with before we even bring him back into the story. And the, uh, you know, very uh, thankfully for Ray, he discovers, okay, Maurice's death has been ruled accidental. All we have to do is, all right, we put out a bolo on him like we would normally do. And this 
we'll go away. We're mm-hmm. we're all right. Although I do, I, there was this moment where he froze and he had to have his coworker remind him that he had to put a bolo out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Now, granted, his his coworker seemed to be very not too far off of the type of personality that that Ray uh, himself is. Mm-hmm. But I would say, in a world where people make these little slip ups and then someone later picks up on that little slip up and that's what undoes them, I'm going like, should have. Ray should have connected that dot for himself a little bit right. sooner. Well, I also right. thought that he was waiting for the detective to tell him to put a bolo out so that it's more like, oh, yeah, we discussed it. And he knew that the guy was missing. I told him to put one out. Like, you know, like I felt like it was a cover up your tracks, possibly. Mm-hmm. Meaning he wanted the other detective to tell him to do that. Right. So that yeah. he would remember that conversation a little bit better. Sure. To, to be like, oh, no, Ray came in here. He said he was missing. I told him to file a report. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was also, Maybe, he was also smart enough to look up. Yeah. He looked up that in, in in his office, so like not in his office, not in Ray's office. But I also wonder too how because that's specific, right? Like there yeah. was a reason he couldn't use his computer, and he says right. Vermin, like the wiring got all got all shredded. But he didn't want the search history. But it's is the search history not going to exist on somebody else's computer? And then that it guy, is. that guy could then say, "Well, wait a minute, Ray was in here, and I right. remember that because it was weird that he didn't think to put the bolo out." Right away. Yeah. I just think he's just trying to be careful. And I think it's it's also like, hey, this guy is is missing. I don't know what, what to do. And when you look it up, you're not going to remember at what time you do the search. Right. And at what time you were asked. So, like, he did the search and then he asked, but then he probably did the search again. Right. And then it came out. So it's probably actually pretty neat. I mean, it's definitely well, it's far from a smoking gun in any case. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like tiny little things that you notice. Like, for example, the next thing that Ray does is he goes to see Nikki. And he walks right in the front door again. And that seems, to me, personally, ill-advised at best. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Especially since he's walking past where the guy was just murdered. Right. In order to go into her house. And again, by itself innocuous enough you could come up with a story that would explain maybe what you're doing there but it's it's a pattern of very small because he's clearly yeah. ray's not the the brightest no he's dealing with urine all day he's not dealing with murders yeah he yeah know what he's doing but i do have to say he's not the stupidest no one we've had in the fargo universe no okay but sidebar sidebar if you had to pick who is the stupidest that we've had in the fargo universe oh, oh christ i don't <laughs> god <laughs> I have the worst memory. I would I don't say know. I would say even William H Macy in the initial movie is oh. a bit stupider sure. than Ray. Like I yeah. think I think a, I think they were dealing with a lot of stupidity throughout it. I would say, Thanks. you know, Kirsten Dunst's character is not is not necessarily stupid as is unstable. I, yeah, I think she just moves further yeah, and further away from ready. reality. Yeah. yeah, so it's like I, yeah, he's up there, but he's not like. I don't. I think there's people who are stupider. For sure. Yeah. No, I actually. I think his biggest his biggest blind spot when it comes to intelligence, as far as keeping himself out of prison or the the ground, mm-hmm. is is Nikki. Yeah. Um, and again, he really does seem to be so so genuinely into her. And yeah. She, for her, it seems very fifty fifty. Oh yeah. I mean, right. she tells him, "You've got the soul of a poet," and he's like, "Really." I mean, she, it's just like putty in her hands. Like, she can control him any way she, she needs to, which I think is cool. Yes. Now, he goes to tell her the good news, and she slaps him a couple times in the face because his chi is blocked. Yeah. Apparently, a good smack is... She's is, all, all backed up. It'll just rattle that chi loose. Yeah. Gotta and not just one smack, like two to three, I think it was. No, it was it was definitely more than one. But yeah. They, so, 
she's decided that we need to go we're we're gonna go get this stamp yeah. ourselves. And we get we get this this wonderful sequence where they go to Emmett's house and Ray and Emmett have a conversation outside while Nikki goes and searches for the stamp. Yeah. More, more on that in a minute so, because yikes. Um, yeah, but during that moment, were you? Did you have a moment where you're not very sure if Ray knew she was in the house? I had this moment that I was like, I I don't know if Ray knows about this because the way the conversation they have, which is like you're either gonna have to make up with him uh-huh. or we're gonna have to go to war, and to Ray that meant. Oh, I'll make up with him. And to her, that meant I'm going to war. But then they kind of ended up landing in a kind of a middle ground where right. it was like, okay, I'll make up with him, and then you steal, you steal the uh, the stamp. And meanwhile, he actually does make up with him, and yeah. actually does have like this connection. And he seems with his genuinely brother. happy about he it. He does. Yeah. He seems like really relieved, like his cheese all back to order. Yeah, his but unfortunately, back. Nikki Swango. No, no, no. Slaps him in the face she's, in a different way. Yep, she's swinging it down with some dirty tampons. <laughs> <laughs> that meant she, I did. Also, I want to build up, just because we got to go through the process of this, because I'm like, okay, I don't know if if Ray knows Nikki is in the house. So I don't really know what she's doing, except maybe she's trying to steal the stamp for herself. Right. And uh, then, yeah, that's just what I was, this is my right. thought process. And then when she sees the donkey, I'm like, okay, don't get why she's freaking out over the donkey. Maybe right. she doesn't even know where the stamp is. More proof that she doesn't know, she de- Ray doesn't know that she's in there. And then when she starts to take off her pants. Oh, yeah. Like, what is going on? Did you on have here? a moment where she's like, oh, she's going to try to seduce I, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. I thought she was going to be naked yeah. in the bedroom. Like, hey. Like, hey. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to go with the brother with hair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the with the good looking one. Yeah. Well, I I my reading of it was he must he knew well he knew that she was in there, but the plan of course was we're gonna do this very quietly, very clean. And I'm yeah. not sure necessarily that he expected his talk with Emmett to go as well as it did. Yeah. Well, what's up with him saying let's talk outside? It's ten thirty. Right. Okay. First of all, he's like, did somebody die? It's just ten thirty. But then his brother says. Let's talk out here. And I'm well, like, really? And they're moving the snow off the thing? And like. I think that's the Midwestern, like, can't bother the wife. Oh, right, I right, can't right. Bother yeah, the she's wife. still asleep. But yeah, Christ, I mean, it's cold outside. Give me a break. Yeah. You can't just stand in the foyer and, and talk, foyer and talk. Yeah, but and also. I just thought it, it was hilarious because it, uh, uh, Ray did look at him like, seriously? Like, mm-hmm. outside? You know? Um, also, yeah. how great was that shot with the, the two of them going, going around, around the car? and then. The, the they're bench. brushing it off. Two benches that look <laughs> identical. Two brothers that are identical and are played by the same person. Yeah. So it's kind of an impressive shot, anyways. And then on either side of the Corvette that one of them could yeah. have owned. And I feel like one. the Corvette is the only thing that kind of breaks the symmetry uh-huh. of the shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a great way to being like, yeah, that piece of shit Corvette. Yeah. That's like, of course, the thing that kind of breaks the mode. Right. Well, you can yeah. you can you can read that imagery literally in that the Corvette was a big part of what blew open a schism between the two of them in the first place. Yeah, between mm-hmm. the two of them. And also, I love how there is the scene before this where Emmett is very much like reaching out, being like, "I want to, I want to make up with my brother," and it's Sai that's like, "No, don't do it. He's a loser. Right? He's a loser. Don't do it." And he's like, "No, I'm going to do it." And so when they do make up, it's like, "Oh, this does make sense because both of them really do want to make up." Right. Mm-hmm. And of, of course, too. 
it, it, it has to be genuine because as soon as they figure out what ultimately has happened, Emmett knows right away. He's like, yeah. oh, Ray did this. And while he while we were talking outside, he had his fiance come in here and do this. He knew. He knows his brother that well. Mm-hmm. So there must have been a moment where it, it, something occurred to him that maybe this is not on the up and up. And he still went out and had that conversation anyway because he, I, I agree. It seems like he really right. did genuinely want to reconcile if there was any opportunity to do so. Yeah. And there may well have been, but as it turns out, uh, Nikki's a little little crazy. Um, um, there's before we and we, menstruating and, and <laughs> um, but it's it's reading the it's reading the the donkey picture as a personal right. attack. That was a very that's that's I feel like this is a very Fargo misunderstanding, which which happens a lot. People's mm-hmm. like ire gets brought up, and they get their the the green-eyed envy and also like this is a personal attack even though it's just not it's the opposite of that yeah so the fact that she sees it as a personal attack and then just takes a step and be like this is i mean we were gonna be nice and just steal a stamp and that was gonna be our nice move but now it's personal with a donkey picture with a donkey and of course as it turns out the cleaning lady broke the frame and emmett's just having the frame repaired but of course they don't they don't know that. And taking it as the most egregious of all personal effrontery, yeah. we see that Nikki takes off her pants, writes, who is the ass now in menstrual blood on the frame, and then leaves the used tampon in the drawer. In the drawer. Uh, my, uh, my face, my face. Upon upon that reveal, now in I your face. now in in the moment, of course, I was, the emotions were is running this, high. I think I know exactly the Lex face that, what was that it? actually happened. Probably like. It, it was. It was very. Yeah. It was that. It was a little. The jaw was a little further down. It was more like. Yeah, there you go. It was like a ghost face it's type good. of thing. It's but like face. emotions, emotions were very high in that moment. Because that's that's horrible. So did you see that once you saw? Uh, I guess once we saw like who's the ass now? I knew right away because the, the the why would she say don't get any? It's I'm on my period and then her pants and I was like oh my god that's blood. But then the tampon on top of it, I was like holy yeah. tamale. Whoa. I thought it was gonna maybe be a drawer full of. Uh, shit. I thought it was going to be oh, that. Oh, she was going to poop in the drawer. Look I at, thought she was going to poop going, in the drawer. Mr. Dave Child. But then I should have realized after it was like, oh yeah, well she wrote it. Because it was so clean that it was almost, she obviously yeah, used the I tampon. Yeah, I, I as, guess. Like, as a marker. Yeah, yeah, so it could have been like, it could have been red lipstick or something until yeah. you see it in the actual. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was a good like, it was a good F.U. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering now, how do you top, how do you top that? Like how do you in a moment you as far shit as, in a drawer? I was, but I was about to say I was like maybe the reason she didn't do that. What can she do in a drawer next? Right, is like that's you the have important to, question. You can't shit in it because you have to leave yourself somewhere to go. But once you leave a bloody tampon, right. I feel like you. How do you break the ceiling? Right, there? right. It's the height. Yeah. Uh, what was the 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 line? Is the the beautiful poetic sentiment of uh, feminine hygiene deployed as a weapon? Oh yeah. yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Yes, I said that. Feminine feminine hygiene deployed as a weapon. I'm yeah. loving Sai so much in this episode. I feel like he had the best moments of the episode. I feel like he he won the day in just like his little his little assumptions, his little like lines. And we're gonna get to that later, but just I just love Sai. Well, and I love too that he's you cast an actor like Michael Stuhlbarg, who's an absolutely wonderful actor, yeah. frequently playing these slightly ineffectual, nebbishy guys. Look at his work in The Coens, A Serious Man. I think that, to me, is like a perfect uh, uh, template for what I think of as like a Michael Stuhlbarg performance. Right. He's not that 
guy here, but you get a little bit of a sense of like how how powerful actually is this guy? Like when he's doing things like slamming down on the table, for example, right. I'm going like this is this that's like a big gesture for you, dude. Hang on, but then yeah. you, you get a sense of no, like dude is. Dude's a little, not only on top of his business, but a little, a little crazy also. Yeah, but he's also not like Michael Stuhlbarg in, uh, in Boardwalk Empire. He's right. not like that conniving yeah. chess master that's kind of in that series. But he's still like, let me step in. I'll take care of Ray. Get him out of the way. Yeah. And he, you're like, what? Way? No, not not a lot, though. Just a little bit. Yeah, I feel like it's a serious man thinking he's is the guy from Boardwalk from Empire. Boardwalk. Yeah. So that's kind of where he lets. It's just like, I'm going to... I am going to step in, but it's just not going to help. Anything. And he does. He try. He says basically, I'm going to take point on this. He says, "All right, well, he's he's done now. He's not. We're not going to hurt him." Like Emmett, Emmett still knows exactly what Ray did. He knows that he was uh, trying to take advantage of him again to steal his property. Even still, doesn't want to see his brother hurt. But Sai says, "No, we're going to deal with it. He's, we're not going to hurt him. But he's dead to us. Right. And I'm going to go and I'm going to essentially break this." connection Mm -hmm. and they go and they have that scene in in the diner between the two of them which is great and i had that moment again and i feel like at multiple times throughout this season i'm just gonna pause and marvel at the work that ewan mcgregor is doing Mm -hmm. but i had this moment in that scene where i went oh that's what michael stuhlbarg was just playing a scene with him a second ago Mm -hmm. but in this does not feel like the same no person totally dynamic it's these two the two brother characters are so distinct i don't think of them as the same actor it's great. No, in, At all. In yeah. the earlier scene, when they're talking to each other, I had to actively remind myself, oh, yeah. this is both the right. Obi-Wan guy. I, I would suggest stop doing that. You're watching a TV show. <laughs> no, but I have to... I, I, don't, I don't pull myself actively out of the story, but every so often I, ha- I have this inner voice that goes, just like, pause for a second, think about think about it, think about it, sit think in it, it, absorb yeah. it, let it make your heart sing. All right, we're back in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I did the same thing. The second, like, and uh, Emmett came out to talk to the people who came into the office, I was like, shit, like, he's not Ray right now. Sorry, excuse my language, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I had that. Yeah, we've that, been saying. We've been we, saying. We, oh, we, have yeah. we? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, ah, internet. Duh. Okay, anyway. <laughs> but um, uh, I felt the exact same way in between the scene where they're at the office and then cut to the diner. Uh, I, I did kind of have that reckoning where I was like, dang, they're the same. That's yeah. that's crazy to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. His yeah. eyes, his dark eyes kind of bug me. Emmett's dark eyes. Because uh, when he plays Ray, I think it's his natural eye color that I'm used to, to seeing with Ian. But he has uh, I, context. I didn't even notice that. The, oh, my gosh. The they're blues, like all right? brown. You can even see his pupils. And I'm just like, he looks. Uh. Well, he looks like he. I like how both of them don't look like Ian McGregor. Both yeah. of them have this weird, like, uh, Emmett is a bit too pristine and kind of yeah. looks like he maybe had some work done. Or yeah, hair yeah. plugs or something. Yeah. And then, like, you know, Ray's a... And, and Ray is just clearly balding. Yeah, yeah, with two separate pairs of shoes. Yeah, uh, amazing. So, so, obviously, as we saw, this meeting between Ray and Cy in the diner, does, does it goes about as well as I think we could have expected. Honestly, Cy uh, tells him, you are never going to see your brother again. Yeah. Makes a show of pulling out a 20, folding it over so it'll sit, and putting it in front of him and saying that is the last dime you'll ever get from the parking lot kingdom. And just to dig it in, too. Like, not from your brother, from the parking lot. Because he's not your brother anymore, bro. He's the parking lot king of Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite part about this is the... Each had a moment where if you just stopped there, it would have been fine. Like, if it would have been... It would have been kind of a nice, badass move, and then you could have kept going. But they kept trying to one-up each other. So I had this moment where he had the 20, and then Ray gave us all a, a gif we can use over and over again. 
by flipping him off. Yep. And then they go to the and it was like, okay, then that that was enough. Like that's all you need from that scene. And then when they go into the parking lot, Ray knocks on the window again just just to make sure he sees him flipping him off again. And then it's like, okay, now we're gonna step it up a bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the car. And he backs up and he hits that car and Ray's freaking out. And then he drives away and he totally can't control it. So he ends up hitting another car and then going out. And I love that moment with the waitress. He's just like, that animal. Look what that animal did to my car. <laughs> yeah. It was just a great, like, it's, we're all in our own bubbles. We're all thinking of our own things. No one really cares about Ray's car. No, but but yeah. two, like, that's the one thing he had, basically. And you could you could do the work to fix some of that damage, but it's like here's the one thing you I mean, had left the the, sim- the perfect symbol of every bad choice you made in your life, and I'm just gonna smash that up too. Yeah, yeah. Very, it is very much. I like it. It's like it's like Michael Stuhlbarg's Larry Gopnik pulling an Arnold Rothstein, and that perfect nexus point is where this character seems to exist. Right. So okay, I want to really quick before we jump over to talking about all of this business with VM Varga, wanted yeah. to touch on the title of this episode and what it refers to. So the the title of this episode, which is uh, the principle of restricted choice, mm-hmm. it is another bridge term, like like last week's episode, and it refers to a theory in bridge that playing a particular card decreases the probability of a player having any equivalent card. So it's essentially by playing one option, you are taking that option away from somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's a wonderful segue to go and talk about VM Vargo, who's just who's just now getting all up in everybody's business. Right, right. It was that great. It is that great moment of like when, because I kind of thought I think we talked in last week's episode about how oh he's gonna make it a money laundering thing, and I think he is. But for some reason, I thought, I mean, this wouldn't be as interesting of a show. But I thought I assumed that was going to be oh they're going to be getting shipments of money, and then they're going to have to explain it away. I didn't think they were going to be so involved. Like they were going. It starts off with a giant truck, meaning like physically be there. I yeah, didn't think so. Either. Physically be there. Yeah. And I thought they were going to just refuse to do, to like launder the money, and that's how things were going to break down. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they were actually going to take over the business, right, in a big way. And I wasn't. I had no clue how involved Varga was going to be. He says at the end of this episode, "You're probably not going to see me for a couple of days. He's got to go deal with." whatever it is that VM Varga goes and deals with. Right. But he seems to be very actively involved. It almost seems like he's the closest that we have so far this season to a character like Mike Milligan from last year. Very different personality-wise, but that almost uh, uh, ethereal type of sinister presence that is an Mm -hmm. active participant in the events that are unfolding. Yeah. Yeah, not as much of a, as a psychopath as uh, Malvo in the in the first season. The Malvo's like almost this is the devil. Yeah, he's the devil. This is more of that. I think my character like was well in that when they're in the office. Do you remember when when VM says he's like, well, we'll just buy more lots, maybe even a stadium. When they cut back to Emmett, he looks like he lights up a little bit. He he's like actually legitimately being like, I could own a stadium, and then like cuts back to like you're getting it now, like you're trapped, yeah. and then it's like oh f bomb, like yep, here we are, and there's the restraint choice like you know what i mean yeah i loved his line though at the very very end i just wrote this note down where he's like you know we can't have people out there investigating things with his creepy teeth and i'm like except gloria except i wrote molly because ugh, except gloria can because she's invisible yeah, guys that's true seriously that's actually a good point and that's something that happens in the fargo 
universe as well. Mm-hmm. And I think why a lot of these um, police characters, especially the female police characters, are able to figure out who does yeah. what. Because no one really notices them. Nope. And not that we couldn't have possibly found Irv another way, but how did VM Varga put the mark on Irv? It was using his own computer. Right. And as we've seen, Gloria's relationship with technology, technology is, is non-existent. Fritzy at best. She yeah. uses the telex. So actually not searching for VM Varga the old-fashioned way of just talking to people and interviewing and writing them down in a notebook is probably the best way of finding VM Varga. Mm -hmm. That's great. Great. Uh, Um, I do want to take a a step back in the conversation when Emmett starts talking to, when uh, Sai starts talking to Emmett about, you know, um, you know that lot down in uh, the the so-and-so and and how we don't sell it? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we need to, why did I get that? We might build condos. Oh, yeah. And then Emmett says, like, you know what? We should talk to Stan Grossman about that. And Stan Grossman is a character from the Fargo movie, is the right-hand side of Wade uh, Gustafson, who is who's kind of the side to, to that. And um, he's the guy that, like, William H. Macy's character tries to extort money out of yep. and then and that that's the the crime that goes wrong in the whole movie so it's a great tie-in to like the initial movie because i didn't even necessarily pick that up i was like wait stan grossman that sounds so familiar and like it's from the fargo universe but now i'm like it could be from two seasons or it could be from the movie yeah so i looked it up and i was happy to see it was from the movie yeah th- there were a couple of little uh d- definitely explicit cohen nods and then a couple that i think might have been might have been inferred or a little bit like more wink wink like the restaurant they met at was called fontanelles mm-hmm. and i saw a couple people online speculating is that a reference to raising arizona because there's a scene where uh holly hunter is handing off the baby to nick cage and she says you know watch his little fontanelle so I'm like, all right, that yeah. could be. And then, of course, the, the scene, which we haven't touched on yet, where uh, uh, Gloria is talking to the mortician um, about the, the arrangements for, right. for Ennis. And he, the reference to, let's pick out a vessel. It was very much, I, I thought, echoing the scene in Big Lebowski where they're figuring out what to do with the remains of, of yeah. poor Donnie. Spoilers for Big Lebowski. Yeah. I like how, I like also in that scene, just to touch upon that scene, how he doesn't remember that Gloria's mom died but he does remember exactly where she is once he knows right once he's reminded that this person died it was yeah like, oh she's in section blah 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 i thought that was perfect and everybody uses the phrase it's a tragedy when they talk about death emmett used it it's a tragedy and then the funeral guy is like it's a tragedy and i love that the it's kid was tragedy. like he was 83 or however right. old he was and even the kid's like well i mean this is this is messed up but like he had, a good, he had a good run. Yeah. I'm surprised they haven't used that more as the tagline for the Fargo show. Fargo. It's, it's a, a tragedy. tragedy. <laughs> it's perfect. It always is. It always is a, stra- mm, a tra- always is. tragedy. That always ends with a big point of Fargo is that you have a moment of, of normalcy in the beginning. You see their lives and then horrible things happen, but it always ends with people's lives going on as they began. Very so much always so. has that sense at the end of each season and at the end of the show as well. At the movie as well. Yeah, also I wonder if a lot of people online were speculating on the on the Reddit forum about how um if maybe that moment where Gloria's like okay in the in the bed was a nod towards No Country for Old Men. 
because I guess it was a very similar scene. Yes. Where she, where there's a character in bed that goes, okay. It's where I believe, and it's been a little while since I saw No Country, but I believe it's fairly early in the movie where Llewellyn makes a decision to go back out and get the, or look for the money. No, because yeah. he finds the money in the day. But he goes back out at night to the site where that massacre happened. It's been a while since I've seen it. I gotta so. revisit, I gotta revisit No Country, but you're right. So that, that might moment, be a nod as well. That yeah. moment absolutely exists in that movie. So, okay, so uh, VM Vargas made it pretty clear that, that he's locked Emmett in. It's like your, tra- the inescapable reality yeah. is the term that he uses. And he says, you know, very, very, he says everything in almost the most sinister way possible. But he basically says, like, this is, when we're done, it's gonna make you both millionaires. Mm-hmm. And then he turns, on paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And, uh, Varga out. <laughs> <laughs> just smoke. Just, just in a cloud of bad breath. He's <laughs> out. Oh, God. But now, you know, he's moving his people in. They threw poor Irv off of the parking garage, which, okay, oh. now is now is the time to address. Let's talk about his people. Let's talk about Varga's guys. And, of course, now this has become a staple of Fargo stories that you've got a couple of uh, distinctive henchmen, a mm-hmm. two-person team. Yeah, but... That's interesting because I'm used to do to the distinctive henchmen that come in and they're a two person team. This actually whole, uh, I think, series, this whole uh, season is about two person teams. So I'm not surprised you have another two person team because you have Ray and Nikki, you have Cy and Emmett, and now you have this other two person team that's that's under VM Varga. But what I am surprised about is one of those two person team is Yuri. Yes. Who, Yuri Gurka. Who we get hinted at in the first episode. Uh-huh. In the Berlin prologue. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy that obviously is the right age. So he's the guy that strangled his girlfriend and then left and left that other guy to to get the um, the the heat for it. Because he moved out of the apartment and that other guy moved in. I didn't expect to see him this early on. Because of the way they set it up, I thought it was going to be like a big reveal. And it's, Yeah, I thought he would be a lot older too. Yeah, well, they set it up that he's 22. Oh, right, we did discuss that, his age, huh? Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. he would be in his 40s, and I think it looks like Yuri's about in his 40s. Yeah, I guess. He's yeah. doing pretty good for his age. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He maybe looks like he's in his 30s, but, like, yeah. I guess being a Russian gangster kind of kind of helps. But um, sure. I love how they're both wearing Adidas, too, and they're both, like, they both look Russian, even though, what are the guys? Mimo? Is Asian? Yeah, he's totally Asian. Mimo, I love his name. I really yeah, but enjoyed. He's, he's dressed like a Russian gangster. Yeah, 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 totally. I really enjoyed when he when they shove him over and he goes like this, exactly. and then he's like, yeah, he kicks him in the shit. I looked with this very playful, like they're brothers. Amazing. Yeah, like yeah. when you're a kid and like you just want to like hit the other person, but like it's all out of love. Those yeah. little Russian gangsters. Yeah, so like I'm surprised that they've set up this whole thing for one guy that just seems like a henchman right now. But he's about to move into the offices, so I think he's going to play a much bigger role in the actual season. You'd think. I mean, obviously it remains to be seen whether Yuri is actually good. The point is actually going to be Yuri himself, or whether we are just meant to read read the thematic significance of that story. And we're not. I feel like we're not going to know one way or the other till the season ends. And we look back and we go, oh, Yuri himself was or was not specifically important. Yeah, right. I, f- I feel like they're setting up like Yuri's going to be important, like in that first episode. I didn't anticipate this, but I, I think Yuri's going to be important. And what might end up happening 
is in the in the theme of Fargo, usually you have the henchmen or the people working for a bigger, more powerful boss decide to get too big for their britches and do something on their own. Right. So that makes me curious if Yuri's going to turn on Vian Vargo. Well, that's just like, because he's a Cossack, right? A Ukraine bully, and that's what bullies do. They're too big for their britches. Yeah. yeah. I love that, by the way, when Irv walks up and they start talking about the, the Cossacks and like, oh, yeah, my, uh, my, my nana, like, ran from the Cossacks. And then Yuri was like, yeah, that was me. I kind of like, I like that. That was a, that was a badass move to be like those villains that everyone likes to talk mm-hmm. about and is always a part of it. That's my family. That's we did that. I'm that villain. I'm going to sack you. And then throws him off the... I'm right. a Cossack. Yeah. Poor yeah. Irv. Parking lots, man. Don't... In Fargo, don't go to parking lots. Nothing good ever happens in parking lots. <laughs> Nothing ever goes. You're either scraping your car... I was going to say, literally the best thing that we've ever seen happen in a Fargo parking lot is William H. Macy melting down entirely trying to scrape the ice off of his windshield. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, parking lots are bad, man. It's but I'm so glad they've become a uh, integral part of this season. It's bad. It, it's rideshare from now on. Don't park, just just, yeah. just get out of the car and go about your business. We also yeah. got to talk about what could possibly be in that truck that is left. Yeah, and the... what's up with the whip? Why does he need that leather whip and he does a little pound pound like, "All right, we're here." You don't Whoa. need a leather whip if you're shipping drugs. You don't exactly. have to whip. Those drugs and, aren't going to be misbehaving that and badly that's by themselves. Why when Emmett gives Sai the look and he's like and he's like Slave girls? Slave girls? And I'm like, that's exactly what I thought. I thought slave girls too. Well, but also too, it's, I feel like it speaks so much to how Emmett is so ill-suited for this world. The Drugs was the thing he couldn't even say. Right. It never would have occurred to him to think slave girls. Right. Right. Slave girls? Slave girls? I oh did. my god, he looks so offended. And then Sai's like, maybe not. I don't maybe know. Maybe not. I mean, yeah, why yeah. would you say I that? Why, I, who would say that? I, who would say that? I'm not saying yeah, I wanted no, no. to be slave girls. It's just, yeah. it could be. And the second I saw him, I thought the same thing. So I'm like, why would you have to be doing I'm like. I thought that was maybe a character thing. Like that character was just always going to have a whip. Maybe, but it felt very deliberate. There was a close-up on the hand with the whip in the car. It wasn't just like, oh, I whip out doing it. It was like dolly in on the hand and the whip in the car. I think that was a, hey, this character. This is a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us a piece of info. Maybe. I don't know. I think it's more. I think think it's more. I think it's both. I think, well, I I hope it's both because that's a very distinctive looking whip. I like I like the idea that it's almost like a totem for this person. Right. But it also it did the the way it was shot, the way that character was moving, it felt very much like this is just as much a tool of my job as this truck is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, if it is slave girls, if it is slave <laughs> girls, that's, girl, that's that, horrifying. For one, that, that has to be like a oh, well insulated, heated uh-huh. back of a truck. Yeah. And or is it just some sort of goods that they're well, doing? I think that truck is well made. I mean, did you see the stick shift? That's yeah. that's, that's that's a made. badass stick shift. That's made. That's a badass thing. That's that's all you know. Yeah, that's kind of a decisive dual truck. order. This is how we're doing it. You yeah. know, that's see? a truck you can like take out and yeah, take out, show the them. ladies, get show in my semi, I look at my my, uh, my stick shift. Here. Come for the stick shift. Stay for the distinctive short whip. Come for the <laughs> stick shift. Stay for the whip. So uh, all right. Okay. So I feel like we hit all the big stuff, and we're already starting to wade into predictive territory. So why don't we just jump into predictions? Unless there's anything else that you guys feel sure. like we didn't. Let's just irresponsibly speculate. Yeah. Well, 
I just okay. First prediction I guess I have is uh, well, the, this is a little spoiler for next week. Is we're going to have Mac from Always Sunny in Philadelphia uh, be a character on on next week's episode. Yeah, Rob, Rob McKelvey, which I had no Thank clue you. was going to be a thing until I Me saw neither. the promo. And I yeah. love him. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's nice to see. I love how in the Fargo, uh, these Fargo shows, the characters we don't usually think of can fit right into it. And I think he's actually a perfect match for it. Because I think he has that... You know who he's actually going to remind me the most of? Hmm. Is the in the movie when Marge goes and sees that guy from from her high school. Yes, who's mm-hmm. just so sad. Who's just so sad and is just like, I've always loved you, Mark. I always <laughs> love you. Yeah. That's who I kind of, I could see him being that yeah. exact type of character. I agree. So I'm curious if that's where they're going. Because I did see a little bit of the problem. I didn't watch very much of the next week on, and there is an extended clip online of, of what happens next week with Mac. But it looks like he's talking to Gloria so I am curious if that's where they're going to go with it. Because I could see yeah. Gloria trying to meet new men and trying to yeah. date and then kind of falling flat on her face. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see for Gloria what I think is we're just going to see more things that don't see her. Because, like, doors don't see her, phones don't hear her, what else, and how more, like, invisible can she get. Right. Which I think there's going to be a lot more ways. But the one person we didn't talk to, talk about is Donnie Mashman, which is, like, her her sidekick, right? He forgets his gun in the car in the beginning. He's like, hold, oh. hold up, gotta get my gun. And he goes back, and I'm like, dude, you are going to be the disaster that leads to, like, you're going to forget your gun or forget to, like, oh, I should I should I didn't clear that room. And then somebody's, somebody dies. Like, Donnie Mashman and that name, like, Mashman. <laughs> Mashman. People, like, men are going to be mashed with, like, their heads or something because of him maybe. and he's like him not knowing what to do maybe. but like Gloria's gonna save the day and but she's also just gonna I think maintain her invisibility throughout and I think he's gonna get a lot worse but in a beneficial way yeah I also think a reoccurring thing in the Fargo universe is that cops are either like great like the people, best cop the best yeah. cop or, or the, they're the, the worst, worst cop <laughs> yeah but like the best personality like he's yeah. just sitting there he's like uh, you know oh for the chief I mean ex-chief I'm sorry chief like he's that guy he does he's really very lovable well. he does yeah. truly he's a lot like um, uh, oh my god I'm blanking on his name Saul Goodman Bob Odenkirk Bob from Odenkirk season one. from season one mm-hmm. well, and, kind and of speaking of season one I think it's real it's so much fun that we're getting Rob McKelleny next episode because we had Glenn Howerton who plays Dennis on It's Always Sunny in mm-hmm. season one one, what this says to me is Fargo needs to run a minimum of six more years so that every other year we get a cameo from a member of the Always Sunny gang. We still got to get Charlie Day, Kaylin Olsen, and Danny DeVito on this program. Danny DeVito in the Fargo world? Oh, that would fit perfectly. He'll be like a great Mr. Big or something. He'll be a great like... And if we're only going to be doling out these parts for him every other year, that means we need a minimum of six more years of Fargo. So, (laughs) Noah Hawley, if you're watching, you get get those six crime stories ready to go. You start firing up that stove. Better start prepping. You know what I would like? I was listening to... This is a bit of a tangent. So, okay, T- tangent, but, tangent, and we'll wrap. Yeah, this is for future seasons, but I would love them to have a serial killer at one point. Because I was listening to the last, an old last podcast on the left episode talking about Ed Gain. Yeah. And he's in Wisconsin, and so he's dealing with all these Wisconsin people that are like, oh, he's just an oddball, you know? He's just an oddball. And I would love to have the serial killer 
Ed Gain type character who's just chopping up people wearing their skin in the Fargo universe. <laughs> I think that would fit really well. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to see that for future seasons. It's not going to be anything to do with this season. But I think you can deal with the same sort of uh, pettiness and kind of the hurt masculinity that we deal with a lot. So. Yes, mm-hmm. and I say you have Danny DeVito play it. Yes, perfect. <laughs> or he's the dad of the guy that's doing it. Anyway, somewhere. Okay. So, okay, so uh, final thoughts from either one of you. Anything we didn't hit? Any last little nuggets you guys want to throw out before we wrap? I think it's just a great show. It keeps getting better, so I can't so wait. Good. So yeah, good. I can't wait. I, I want more weird, uh, like, blood stuff to happen yeah. with Nikki. I mean, because, like, like we said, I mean, she did the tampon thing, which is, like, a heightening of heightening. But, like, what is she really capable of? Yeah. A lot more. I'm also curious to see what's the weird thing of this season. What's going to be the falling the falling fish and fr- uh, the fish, right? In the uh, first season, frogs. frogs. I get them mixed up with Magnolia. So right. it's one of those. Magnolia had the frogs for sure. Yeah. And then, um, and then the aliens from the last season. So what's going to be, is it going to be connected to the fact that no technology can recognize Gloria or is it mm-hmm. going to be kind of something more out there? Or maybe a Thaddeus Mobley type thing coming to life. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Could be. I hope it's not more aliens. I hope it's a different thing, but we'll see. We're going to find out. We're going to find out, and we're yes. going to be here every week talking about the things that we find out. And you're going to see us make more faces like this one. That's, <laughs> tune in just until, for the faces. Just for the faces. So until we reconvene, where can people find you guys on the internet? You can find me at Mr. Dave Child and all the internet things or DaveChild.com. My name is Dave Child. Hey, guys. Find me on YouTube.com backslash Terry Erickson or on Twitter at the Terry Erickson. Instagram, too. I do all the stuff. And I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Join us again next week. We're going to talk about more Fargo. We love you. Mwah. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Slave Girls? The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.